Welcome to the Restaurant Boiler Room, Episode 2. I'm your host, Rick Ormsby, Managing Director at Unbridled Capital. Today in the Boiler Room, restaurant sales are up while traffic tries to rebound. Franchisees voice concern about capital spending at McDonald's. Jack-in-the-box franchisees want CEO ousted. And our question of the week, how is the M&A environment at Pizza Hut? The Restaurant Boiler Room is a one-stop shop for multi-million dollar merger and acquisition activity and financial complexities affecting the franchise restaurant industry. We talk money, deals, valuations, and risk delivered to the front door of franchisees, private equity firms, family offices, large investors, and franchisors on an every other week basis. Feel free to find our content at Unbridled Capital's website at www.unbridledcapital.com. Now let's enter the boiler room. Restaurant sales are up while traffic tries to rebound. The background here is that TDN2K reports that restaurant same-store sales were up nicely in September for a fourth consecutive month at 1.2%. For Q3, same-store sales were up 1.2%. Traffic was still down by 1.4% and 1.3% respectively. Now why is this important? While negative, this was the best traffic quarter in the last three years, which is great news. For now, menu pricing is still winning the day as fewer customers are coming into restaurants in last year, particularly in the southwestern United States. Competition on value remains fierce, with highly discounted prices within the pizza and burger segment, as well as the proliferation of the $5 price point. The $5 fill-ups you may have tried at KFC, the $5 box at Taco Bell, and the $5 all-star meal at Hardee's, the latter of which is likely a carryover from Jason Marker, who left KFC about 18 months ago to take the CEO job at CKE Restaurants. Now, how will this affect M&A? Improving sales will usually result in improving EBITDA unless sales increases have high food cost. And if customers trade over and buy value offerings instead of lower cost menu items. Restaurant operations are valued as a multiple of EBITDA and real estate is priced on implied rents, cap rates, rent coverage ratios, and the term of the reigning franchise agreement. While industry sales have been going up, looking at traffic is often a better predictor of EBITDA growth and increases in restaurant valuations over time. Now, from personal experience, I'm pleased to see that traffic trends are improving, but it is a bit concerning to me that we've had such strong GDP growth and low unemployment, yet restaurant traffic is still declining on a year-over-year basis despite heavy discounting. A closer look will show a dichotomy between brands that are really succeeding and the ones that are struggling with traffic growth. The winning brands execute the right playbook. Great customer service, strong operations, innovative new products, upgraded assets, and great leadership. Our second point is franchisees voicing concern about capital spending at McDonald's. The background here is that CNBC reported that a group of McDonald's franchisees met recently in Tampa to discuss concerns in the brand. The report concludes that franchisees are voicing concerns about pouring money into updating stores, adding touchscreen kiosks, and refrigerators needed to serve fresh beef burgers, but that the return on investment is low. Now, newly remodeled restaurants in the U.S. at McDonald's typically see a sales pickup in the mid-single-digit percentage in the first year. The addition of self-order kiosks can boost sales by 1% to 2%. Now, why is this important? McDonald's Q2 and Q3 same-store sales growth is 2.6 and 2.4% in the U.S. respectively. On the surface, this sounds pretty strong, actually, when compared with the overall restaurant industry. However, capital spending and discounting have likely had an impact on franchisees' EBITDA and bank covenants this year. How will this affect EBITDA and M&A? Capital spending is crucial for a brand's overall success and longevity. We all know that. Many brands would be happy with mid-single-digit sales increases from remodels. However, McDonald's remodels are expensive when compared with other brands. 
On the M&A front, buyers will discount valuations to account for future remodeling and capital spending, especially when it has a questionable payback. And for franchisees, borrowing more money affects their financial condition, keeping in mind that remodeling is oftentimes just a defensive play needed to protect existing EBITDA in your stores. Now, personal experience here. The focus on capital spending and new unit development are at all-time highs while the restaurant industry is contending with moderate sales growth, lower traffic, intensified competition, and especially minimum wage pressures. Several franchise brands are using their franchise councils to put pressure on franchisors to elongate remodel dates or reduce the scope and cost of remodel projects. Expect this trend to continue. This is a predictable, if healthy, push and pull between franchisors and franchisees. Our third point for the week is jack-in-the-box franchisees want their CEO ousted. The background here is the jack-in-the-box franchise association has evidently voted no confidence in CEO Lenny Coma and have asked him to be replaced. Why is this important? Franchisees at jack-in-the-box are struggling financially due to several reasons. One is the recent refranchising that they've done at high prices. Second is disappointments in recent marketing initiatives. And the third is a high concentration of restaurants and franchisees on the West Coast. Now, how will this affect M&A? Because of high minimum wage on the West Coast, many franchisees of many brands are struggling right now, not just jack-in-the-box. There is no easy fix when there has been surprisingly low pricing power in restaurants, even as labor costs are rising precipitously on the West Coast. Additionally, Jack has a complex franchisor-to-franchisee relationship that is structured differently than many other brands. Personal experience? I'm worried about the health of the Jack in the Box franchise system and the brand. This is primarily a West Coast brand, and I believe that minimum wage is one of the two to three biggest issues facing the entire restaurant industry. There are large, well-capitalized operators in the Jack in the Box system, fortunately, and the brand needs their support and stability to get on the right track. Now, our question of the week, how is the M&A environment at Pizza Hut? Background here, I just returned from the Pizza Hut Lender Day in Plano, Texas last week. I was impressed by several new members of the leadership team. The brand has a focus on value, their digital platform, store-level economics, assets, product innovation, and the NFL partnership. A turnaround doesn't happen overnight. These foundations will hopefully provide the right stuff in creating a sustainable advantage for Pizza Hut over time. Why is this important? Pizza Hut is undergoing a generational shift in its franchise base. Many Pizza Hut franchisees have 50 or more stores. As a matter of fact, they have 6,500 or so stores across the brand in the United States and only about 100 franchisees. Many of these franchisees are original owners from the 1960s. They built a very successful business based heavily on dine-in pizza. But in recent years, the brand has started to migrate to delivery stores as customer preferences have shifted and Domino's has pioneered the increasing use of technology. How will this affect M&A? There have been several large consolidators, both private equity firms and operators with family office backing, that have entered the Pizza Hut system in the past two years. The M&A market in Pizza Hut has been very strong, actually. In unbridled deals, EBITDA multiples paid for Pizza Hut businesses have risen by over 30% in the last 18 months. Recent multiple accretion is largely due to three factors. Number one, buyers believing that a turnaround is coming. Number two, the attractiveness of the size of the Pizza Hut acquisitions, enabling buyers to have significant GNA. And number three, Yum's best-in-class reputation for franchise or support, long-term results, and M&A liquidity in their brands. 
Personal experience. I think the Pizza Hut turnaround will take time. There are many positive initiatives, and the future of the business is certainly with delivery stores. Legacy franchisees will continue to sell their businesses, and the shift in asset type will take time. New and younger franchisees are already providing valuable perspectives that will help the brand avoid another strategy mistake in falling behind on digital ordering. I do believe in the brand's long-term success if it can leverage its reputation for innovation, expertise in its delivery driver network, improving digital digital platform and the strong capitalization of its franchise base. Thanks so much for entering the Boiler Room today. You can find our podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. If you like these podcasts, please listen, rate, and review. I also encourage you to visit our website at www.unbridledcapital.com for the best franchise M&A and financial resources in the industry. Our website includes podcasts, videos, white papers, and a list of our M&A transactions. And as a disclaimer, please note that neither Rick Ormsby nor Unbridled Capital LLC give legal, financial, or tax advice. These podcasts represent a Opinions that have been prepared for informational purposes only. We expressly disclaim any and all liabilities that may be based on such information, errors therein, or omissions therefrom. Yeah.